What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Wednesday, February 10th, 2016, and you guys are listening to episode 244. Did you guys miss me? Did you guys miss me because I missed you? Uh, I had to miss a week for uh, a couple of things that I just simply could not get out of, and I would have ended up doing this podcast on, like, fucking Saturday which wouldn't have made sense, so uh, I put it out there that I had to miss it. Apologize about that. It's been a long break, but look at it like this. Now, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. You'll get a good show, and let's be honest. I gave you two last week, not knowing that I would miss one, so uh, I guess everything works out for a reason. How is everybody doing? I hope everybody um, had a great weekend. Everybody enjoyed the Super Bowl. If you're in Canada, I hope you give a shit about the Super Bowl. If you didn't, I hope you had a good time doing whatever the fuck you were doing. But um, got a lot of cool stuff to talk about um, on today's show. Uh, a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened. So um, I'll try to get through this um, and catch everybody up without, uh, you know, without being here for two days. But first, before I get into episode 244... The return episode, uh, got to shout out the sponsor. Of course, the Verzi Effect podcast is sponsored by GonzoFame.com. Go to GonzoFame.com for the best, most in-depth interviews with your favorite comedians of today, comedians of tomorrow, comedians that are household names, comedians that will soon be household names. Dave Gavry runs the site, very funny up-and-coming comedian out there in Chicago, um, one of my favorite cities, uh, I just wish the people of Chicago would stop with saying the pizza's better. It's it's not better. It's it's its own thing. It's good. I'm getting off the subject here. Anyway, check out Dave Gavry's website, gonzofame.com. It is awesome. Come- amazing comedians in there. Comedians like Paul Verzi on there, all right? Um, Joe Matarese and Doug Stanhope and um, Hannibal Burris and just a ton of, you know, Funny people that uh, he does a great job interviewing. So please check out gonzofame.com. Also go to allthingscomedy.com for all of the funniest podcasts out there. Amazing podcasts out there. Um, There's like, I think, I don't know, 50 plus, 70, whatever. It's just you never have to worry about a funny pot, not having a funny podcast uh, to listen to because it's all there. Um. Also, uh, All Things Records, where my album uh, resides, and a, and a ton of other uh, funny albums. Uh, and go, please follow. I mean, All Things Comedy does such good job for their for the comedians that they work with. They really care. They really do. And um, follow them on Twitter at uh, All Things Comedy. Now, a couple things. The first thing I want to do, because I, I wasn't able to do this uh, last week, I want to thank everybody who came out to see me in Poughkeepsie again. Um, I did the um, the new comedy club, Laugh It Up Comedy Club, which th- which they do in the back of Mahoney's uh, bar and restaurant, but they actually have like a space that is great for a comedy club. It uh, feels like a comedy club. Uh, I was thrilled that I broke a record for the, the most attendance there. They were adding tables and chairs, and uh, it was a great time. A lot of friends, family, people I haven't seen in a long time came out, so if... You know, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, sold a bunch of albums out there and just got a ton of support. So I cannot thank you guys enough. Please continue to support 
uh, that club that club does a really good job. Uh, it's you know usually when you hear this the the comedy club is um, you know and not its own its own building you're like oh well, this can go either way this is great they do an absolutely great job there so um, if you're in that area even if you're in that area and you didn't come out to see me check it out laugh it up comedy club they do a really good job and I did want to thank everybody um, now here's the reason where I'm why I missed last uh, <laughs> last week's uh, show um, so my wife had to go out to uh, Texas. So, you know, I worked um, I worked a lot during the week. Then I did my shows on the weekend. And then my wife, that Monday morning, my wife had to take off for Texas. And she was gone from that Monday to Thursday. Well, apparently something was going on in upstate New York. Or I shook somebody's hand or something was going around. But uh, when I tell you I caught a stomach bug, I mean, this was bad. Like, I knew something was wrong on Monday when my wife was leaving. I was like, something's not right. Like, my stomach is not settled, and this is, um, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. Like, I feel like something's going to happen here, but I, I didn't know. So my wife leaves, and all of a sudden, Tuesday, I'm a fucking, I mean, I am just... An absolute mess. My stomach. I was just running to the bathroom, like it, Like it got to the point where I was like, I am like, I must be losing. I'm not even kidding. Like at first, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll lose weight. Like my stomach was down. Like everything, and I was like, oh, this is great. I'll lose weight. You know, whatever. And then it got to the point where I was like, all right, this is getting weird. Like I'm losing. I'm getting dehydrated here. I'm fucked up. Like, this is like, it was one of those things where I like needed to drink a bottle of Gatorade while I was on the bowl because I just had nothing, nothing. And, uh, two, three, and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, maybe it's a 24 hour bug. Someone's like, nah, it'll last you 12 hours. Then someone's like, ah, it's about a day. Someone's like, nah, nah, it's a day and a half. I was running to the bathroom day and night for like three and a half days it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm never going to be better. Like, I think I'm just living with like not being able to keep any food down. I'm just, I'm just gonna never be, it was awful. Like it was to the point where I was like, oh my God, man, like this is fucking middle of the night waking up, just like running to the bathroom and trying to deal with my kids, you know, my wife is like, oh, babe, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, she's probably fucking clicking her heels down her hotel hallway that she's not that she doesn't have to deal with the shit. You know what? And I wouldn't even be mad at her. She should be because I would have been doing the same thing. You know, she's uh, she was out there at some nice resort in Austin. I was telling her some of the barbecue places to go to. I was glad she was having a good time. But, you know, she, she doesn't want to be, be home dealing with this shit. So, um... So then that happened, but I'm like, all right, I'll still, you know, it's going away by Thursday. And, um, and then I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just do it late. I'll do the podcast like uh, late on Thursday, worst case scenario, Friday. And then, um, I had a really nice opportunity that, uh, I'll share with you guys. Um, I want to shout out to Johnny Hickey, actor, producer, director, 
of the movie uh, Oxymorons, which won a ton of awards and was in film festivals. And uh, it was available um, on Hulu Plus and Netflix. It was number one in its genre on uh, Netflix for a while. Uh, Oxymorons, please check it out. It talks about the uh, problem that was going on when uh, Oxymoron basically, you know, hit the scene and, you know, kids were robbing pharmacies in Charleston, um, you know, Massachusetts, you know, right outside of Boston. Um, and, and he made this movie and it was great. So, uh, anyway, fast forward, uh, Johnny was actually in the crowd when I opened, I was opening for Bill Burr. Uh, I was fortunate enough to open a bunch of shows for Bill Burr at the Wilbur Theater in Boston and Johnny was there. And uh, Johnny was just talking to me about projects and, you know, we were going to be working together on some stuff, but he was just telling me about some movies he was doing and he was doing this, you know, one movie, this movie about... Uh, this UFC fighter or ex-UFC fighter and all kinds of stuff. And we just talked. And <laughs> so in passing, you know, he was just like, man, I might have something for you. I may have a part for you or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever you could do, you know, would be great. If not, man, I totally get it. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, you're just thankful. You meet somebody. That, that's how this business works. You meet somebody and uh, somebody likes you. They like what you do. Um, he kind of... Uh, Johnny and I did an amazing interview, if you listen to my podcast, with him. Uh, you could go back probably, you know, I don't know how many episodes, but it wasn't too long ago. Um, you know, Johnny went to, you know, went to jail, escaped jail. Like, I mean, this fucking guy, I'm telling you right now, this guy can, this guy, I joke around, I go, this guy could, like, he just gets shit done. He's hungry. As This guy could, like, talk himself on Air Force One. And then fucking make it, like, the guy is just, he's one of these guys, you know? And, um, so, you know, we, we were just basically talking. I got the fucking cats in the background because they hear me and it's going to be a fucking mess with the cat. You're going to hear screaming in the background like I'm torturing a cat. I'm not. They're in a fucking, they're in another room. So, um, so, anyway, uh, Johnny says to me, you know, I'll maybe have this part for you. And I'm like, whatever, if you could get me in it, that would be great, whatever. So I go to pick my daughter up. I go to pick this fucking cat. I swear to God. Um, I got to, I got to open the door. So they just shut up. Okay. Sorry about that. These fucking cats. All right. So anyways, um, this movie is about a, um, movie is about, UFC fighter who, um, you know, it's just, just, uh, goes through, goes going through something ex UFC fighter, all that. So I don't know. So we're talking and I'm like, you know, when somebody's like, Oh, I'll try to, you know, I'd love to get you in this movie. I don't know. I'm a comedian. I'm thinking I'm going to have a line as a, you know, security guard just saying like, all right, you kids have fun in there. All right. All right. No, no monkey business. You know, something, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to say or some quick, quick line. Like, you know, and, uh, so he calls me, so I'm, I'm going to pick my daughter up from daycare and I get a phone call from, from like six o'clock at night and, uh, Thursday. And he goes, uh, I know this is last minute, but can you come to the set? And, um, luckily they were shooting something in Connecticut. He was like, can you come to the set? I may have a bigger part for you tomorrow. You have to be here at eight o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, uh, all right, well, what's the, 
you know, what's the part? Like, what is this thing about? And he was like, well, you'd actually be a fighter and you're going to fight the star of the movie and it. it's kind of an important part of the movie. And I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, I was really like thankful, but I was kind of like, shit, like they needed, they needed to get somebody um, in there. And I was like, this is probably, you know, a good opportunity, but I also like it is last minute. Like I got to make sure I got a car tomorrow, like my kids, my wife, but it's also like to, you know, it, you know, th this is no security guard line. This is a fucking like, this is like a kind of a legit part of it. Like not that a, a huge part, but it's, it's, it's definitely a, a nice, nice um, thing to be in. And um, so uh, I was like, all right, yeah, I could take the truck tomorrow. Now I didn't even know it was going to snow. So I'm fucking, I, I like th 630 in the morning, I get a text from John and he goes, hey, dude, are you going to be able to make it with the snow? If not, you got to let me know ASAP. And like, I'm looking outside and it's a fucking blizzard. It is a blizzard. I don't even realize it. All right. The set is probably like an hour and a half from me. And I'm like, I try to make it work. I got a truck that's four wheel drive and I'm just driving in this whiteout to get a big part in this movie, my first, like, real role in any kind of movie, like, being on a set with, like, a legit movie set, like, fucking a million camera people and, you know, just actors and director and all this shit, and I'm just driving in this thing going, what the fuck, so I'm like, dude, I'm gonna try to get there at 8, and they're like, no, no, everybody knows that the weather is really bad, take your time, don't kill yourself, just get here, so I get to this set, and, um, there's a UFC fighter, John Doomsday Howard. I met this dude, could not have been cooler, and he's the one with Johnny Hickey who were choreographing the fights and showing, like, so me and the star of this movie um, uh, me are, like, go to this facility, and uh, they're, like, teaching us, like, these fight sequences. And I, uh, it's, like, 8.30 in the morning. I'm sweating like I'm fucking... I mean, I'm sweating like I just went jogging. I, I didn't even do anything yet. I did nothing yet. I'm not even in the outfit that I'm going to wear for the movie. I'm like borderline in street clothes with like a black thermal top on. And I'm throwing punches. I'm ducking punches. I'm like moving around. I'm dancing around like a boxer. This UFC's guy, this UFC guy's got me throwing shit. I'm fucking sweating. Before 9.30 a.m., you would have thought I was fucking... I just like was training to be in, in literally to like a real fight. And I'm going, all right, we don't even get ready yet. We don't even, we're not even in wardrobe yet for this thing. Just learning the fight sequences. I'm exhausted and borderline like, ten, like getting like, you know, like my legs and, and my back tensing up. Like I'm almost fucking injured. All right. I did no stretching like a fucking dope. I just go into this thinking, yeah, I'll fuck yeah. Yeah, because I always wake up early in the morning and start fighting with a UFC fighter. Yeah, that's that's normal. You fucking idiot. How about like, you know, being prepared? Not to mention I'm dehydrated from, you know, fucking running to a toilet for, you know, whatever it is, 50 straight, you know, 60-something hours just running to a toilet. So the good news was I lost weight, so I looked all right for this thing, but I still was, like, dehydrated, no energy, and my, you know, and my legs were starting to, you know, like, tense up because I wasn't ready for this shit. Um, but it was, you know, I started to, like, learn. He wanted me, like, punch this way and punch that way. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, me and the, 
you know, me and the star of the movie, uh, uh, Jamie, we were, you know, we were just kind of, just kind of feeling each other out, each other's distance. Like if we were really in a fight, how close would we be to hit each other? Like doing all that stuff, a lot more goes into this shit than you think, man. These UFC fighters are absolute animals. One of the funniest things ever. And this dude's like legit. Like this dude fought on like pay-per-view cards. Like this dude, look up John Doomsday Howard. Like that's who fucking trained me. This guy was an absolute animal, right? And he's going, hit me, man, hit me. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to hurt you. He literally made me feel like such a bitch where he tilted his head at me like a curious dog and just goes, ah, dude, you're not going to hurt me. Trust me, you're not going to hurt me. Come on. And I'm like, start hitting him in the chest and the stomach. He's like, no, no, man, come on. Like, I want you to hit me. And like that, I start like hitting the dude, and he's just like, yeah, good. I'm like, that you didn't even feel that, like, and I mean, it, these guys are so tough. They're like a, the human version of a fucking pit bull. It's insane, right? So now, some time goes by, and um, you know, like, all right, man, let's let's see what you're gonna wear. So we had some ideas to wear, and this, the, you know, the fighting thing is. Um, Basically, the, the, the guy used to be a UFC champion, and uh, he's kind of down on his luck now, and he kind of gets talked into this uh, underground killer, be killed, kind of real, like, underground, dingy warehouse, fight to the death type thing. And um, so we go we go to the actual thing and the camera guys are there we, but even when we went there we had to do like a run through we had to do all this stuff before actually getting cameras in there and i'm fucking exhausted and next thing you know i'm in this room and uh i'm all the way in connecticut in a blizzard i had two shows in manhattan that night and i knew i probably wasn't going to be able to make the uh the nine o'clock show but i also had an 11 o'clock show but i just want to see how the day was going to go so now I start to get comfortable. I start getting comfortable with the actor, the director, some people on there. Like it was kind of new to me, but you know they were appreciative that I was able to do it, and, and I started to kind of get into the flow of this thing. And then we start shooting, and like, I mean, I'm throwing punches, I'm ducking punches, we're jumping up and down. I'm, you know, I'm falling on mats. They were real professional stunt people there, making sure you don't get hurt. Um. Just fast forward eight hours. Eight hours of this fight scene. Falling on the ground and blood flying out of your mouth. And, and you know, just do, falling this way, falling that way, jumping up, doing this, being put in a headlock. I was put like basically putting a, a UFC guillotine, guillotine uh, move. Like all this shit. And, and, and putting people in headlocks and getting put in headlocks. I mean, jumping on the ground. At one point, my legs were seizing up where they had to, they had to like stretch me. And the funniest thing is the UFC guy, John, he goes, hold on, man, just lay on, lay on your, he felt my back. And he goes, dude, your back is really stiff right now. This isn't good. He goes, I'm going to show you a trick. He goes, get, lay on your stomach. So I lay on his stomach and he kind of just cracked my upper back and did this thing where everybody just heard my back just like, <laughs> like my back. And he goes, all right. He goes, the good news is you're good for the rest of the day. The bad news is it's going to be really bad later or tomorrow. <laughs> just like, whatever. At this point, let's just get through the day. You know, I had to like really stretch out my, like I was falling apart to the point where they're like, all right, we need to take five, dude, this dude. And I'm like, no, no. And they were just like, wow, you're not complaining. Are you good? Do you need water? You know, makeup people. Everybody was so cool. 
but like I did not know what I was going into. Like I listen, I did not complain once when I was doing this movie. You know, I hope my scene looks cool. I, I put like when I got there and I thought, you know, I mean, for the time we had, I, I think it's gonna be really dope. But, you know, um I got even a you know, couple of lines in the movie, I hope. But the fight scene should be cool and everything. But I mean, I'm talking about eight hours. Basically dehydrated from having a stomach virus. And then just getting thrown around and sweating. I mean, I felt like I was training for a fucking... The Olympics. It all crammed in. Like, yeah, it's like cramming for a test. But you're just doing it for some physical thing. And uh, and it was an amazing experience. Uh, so thank John Hickey. I mean, Tom Sizemore is going to be in the movie. There's a bunch of really, really good people. Uh, Vincent Pastore, who played Big Pussy in Sopranos. He's in the movie. Um, this dude from Nip Tuck is in the movie. There's a bunch of people you'd see. Chuck Zito's in the movie. There's a couple of WWE people in the movie. Um, so it's you know Johnny Hickey's awesome. He's in it. So it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be you know a cool thing to be a part of. And um, so that's so I'm so tense. I'm so stiff. End of the night. I'm limping. I'm literally limping and walking around like an old man. Just can't do anything. So I realized I'm not going to make my 9 o'clock spot in New York City. So I had to say, listen, I'm sorry. I was doing this movie and i just not going to make it, but I'll make the 11. I go home. I go home. I shower real quick because I was absolutely filthy. I, you know, all that stuff. I change my clothes. I get in the car and I drive an hour from my house. So I'm literally done. Done. I could have put my head down and fall asleep. As a matter of fact, there's one scene in the movie. I don't want to give it away, but I'm laying there and like just laying there pretending to lay there and I could have fell asleep. So I drive an hour and a half from that set, from that movie set to my house, go in the shower, get dressed and was like, fuck it. Let me just go down and do a show. And I got in the car and I drove an hour from my house to New York City. I did an 11:15 spot. Got right in my car when I was done. Had a great time on stage too. Got right in my car, came home, and I, I passed out. I was done. Guys, when I tell you I woke up the next day and I could not walk. I felt like I got hit by two fucking cars. You know, like the first one spun me around and the next one just took me the out. Like it was insane. And I have all the respect in the world for these UFC guys now. Crazy, crazy. So that's why there was not an episode uh, of the Verzi Effect last week. But, um, you know, hopefully it comes out good. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. I'll let you guys know where you can see it and all that stuff when uh, when it's all done being made. But um, that was that experience. Uh, which was pretty, pretty nuts, pretty intense, but um, something that, I, that was just an amazing, you know, to go from thinking you're just going to say like one line as, and, and not do it and then to be f- a fighter was really cool. And totally will make me look at any fight scene in any movie now ever for the rest of my life and even movies in the past of how it's done because it is no joke. Uh, like a good fight scene in a movie now, I'm going to be so into way more than anything that I've, you know, ever, you know, before because the appreciation that I, that I now have for it. Um, 
All right, let's get into some unacceptables because we're almost at we're we're moving right along here, but a lot of stuff to talk about. Unacceptables. Um, Got to talk uh, Super Bowl, of course. You know the whole Cam Newton post game. I've been getting another got another sports thing uh, to to get into. So uh, moving right along, I gotta get into my unacceptable guys. This shit is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm still angry about it, and um, you know I don't even know how to go about it to be to be honest. But I'll tell you what happened. My wife on the way home from the airport called me up. We use the same car service. Uh, I don't know if they're listening. I doubt they are. And if they are, fuck it. I hope they hear it. But we use the same car service. Every time I go to the airport, every time my wife goes to the airport, we have the same company come and pick us up and take us to the airport. And my wife calls me up. She's texting me and she's saying something's wrong with my driver. He's swerving all over the road. All right, now I'm 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 like what, and I'm like, well, listen, be careful, call like just be careful, um, watch what he's doing. If you got to call somebody, if you got to tell him to stop or whatever, like kind of be on it or whatever. And then my wife texts me back and proceed. She tells me that the guy was watching videos while driving her home. Now we live upstate, okay, in the woods. My wife is is in the city. She's got an hour and 20 probably to go. And that's dependent on, you know, airport traffic and all that stuff. And this motherfucker is looking at videos and swerving. Now, I'm livid and I'm going, but see, now I'm in a tricky situation. Because if I call the company when my wife's in the car, that puts her in a bad spot. I'm not dumb enough to do that. I don't want to do that. And they also know where I live. So I'm I'm livid. I'm dealing with it my way. I'm dealing with it, and you know I know how I'm going to deal with it. But I'm as absolutely 100% one of the most unacceptable things I've ever heard. Putting my wife's life in fucking danger because some asshole has got a shitty job and he can't wait to get home to watch fucking videos. Absolutely unacceptable. And there's no there's not even like what sucks is it's not even a funny unacceptable. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something I could be like, you know, because my wife's, like, well-being is involved in it, you know? It's not, so I can't, I I couldn't even rectify the problem at the moment, you know? This guy's watching shit, you know? I, who knows what he's, well, what are you watching when you're driving somebody to the airport? What are you watching? I don't care what it is. I don't care if the fucking, you know... OJ Bron- White Bronco shit was going on. You don't look at it when you got somebody in the backseat of the car. Unbelievable, unacceptable. Drove me absolutely nuts. I'm getting nuts thinking about it right now. Who does that? Who does that? And my wife was smart. The way she dealt with it was she was talking to the guy, trying to get the guy's like attention off of it. And I told her that that was a good idea. She's like, oh, I'm kind of talking to him. And I guess he might have stopped or whatever. But still, I don't care if he does it for fucking two seconds, two minutes, whatever he's doing, or two seconds, man. Like, that's, that's, you don't do that. It takes one second in the car to fucking get somebody killed. Oh, I'm pissed. I'm going to the, I'm, I, see, this is the thing. I need to do it with, like, I don't want people coming to my fucking house. Like, I don't want people knowing that it's me and they know it's us. So I'm in a tr- tricky situation, but they're definitely going to find out what they did because that's un- unacceptable. Hey, fucking stupid cats. I'm sorry. 
Go sit down. What are you doing? I'm sorry. Hold on one second. This is ridiculous. Alright, I'm sorry about that. Both of my cats, Stanley and Thomas, are out right now. And they should be, like, in their room. They have, like, a fucking room. If you could believe that shit. They got a room. My cats have a fucking room. Alright. Let's get to your guys unacceptable here. Because mine's just getting me angry. Let's uh, let's go. Here we go. Uh, this one is from Tim Williams. Hey, Paul. Love the show. I saw you at Madison Square Garden. You absolutely killed. Um, insert other verbal fellatio here. Um, much like yourself, I've been uh, taking the beginning of the year to cut back on eating shitty uh, and have been getting back into the gym. Between New Year's resolutions, giving up six weeks into the year, um, pathetic, and going at off-peak hours, I'm always surrounded by uh, the juice monkey gym rats. I can live with grunting and groaning and nonstop narcissism as they stare at themselves in the mirror. What I saw this morning, however, I cannot. Okay, and I see the title here, Boners in the Locker Room. Oh, boy. I finish up some cardio and head into the sauna to sweat out the rest of my workout, uh, to sweat out the rest of my workout and walk out to see one of said juice monkeys parading around proud-chested with a heart on. I'm not talking a half chub. I'm talking a full-on <laughs> hang a wet towel on it. Murder boner. <laughs> That's great. I've never heard that before. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, that's so fucking funny. It's, it is it is sick, but there's something hilarious. There is something hilarious that the dude's just walking around like just chest out, like full-fledged fucking rager. Um, in what world is this acceptable? This is a public locker room, not a fucking Roman bathhouse. <laughs> Lock this roid head and his hard dick up in a <laughs> hyperbaric chamber and throw away the zipper. Unacceptable. Look forward to seeing you question 2016. Uh, thanks, Tim. Tim, that's hilarious, man. And I hear you. It makes you uncomfortable. You know what? Now it's going to make you kind of have to like peek into that, that place you know, every time you'd go in there, that's the worst thing. Like every time you go in there now, it's like there's always some dude who just doesn't care about his junk hanging out. Uh, thank you for the submission, Tim. That was hilarious. Okay, uh, next one here we have. Uh, all right, this is a private one, but I will read it. Hey, Paul, uh, I have to call out somebody close to me that I just found out gives herself roofies for the high. What? Unacceptable. You have a daughter, Paul. What would you do if you found out your daughter was going to a bar giving herself a roofie because I, uh, because, oh, wow, I gave her a good high. And it was kind of like living, uh, living out the hangover. Oh, my God. In the morning when she is trying to see what she did or didn't do. Dude, that's fucking brutal, man. Um... I don't know what I would do, to be honest. That's that's something that I hope I never have to go through. And, uh, yeah, that individual needs to be, you know, you got to talk. I mean, 
oh, dude, got to talk to her and just, you know, really let her understand, like, the dangers of that. That's fucking scary, dude. Sorry. Uh, sorry about that, man. And thank you for the submission. That is definitely unacceptable. That's a, that's a serious one. Hey, Paul, big fan here. Just uh, bought your CD and poster. Here's my unacceptable. Oh, by the way, anybody that uh, all the CD and posters uh, prior to last week were sent out, all the other ones will be sent out uh, this week, tomorrow and the next day. So you'll be getting them. So thank you guys for uh, the uh, continued success. And the album is... Um, the album, it, thanks so much, is still doing great. As a matter of fact, I went into Sirius XM uh, in Manhattan last night. They called me in. There's a new great show they're doing on Raw Dog called The Check Spot, hosted by Emma Willman. And um, I did uh, I did an interview there, and, um, you know, they we're talking about the album and stuff, and you guys could hear that, and I'll plug that. But um, thank you guys so much for all the support. And uh, Sirius XM is being so cool with it, too. So you guys are going to be hearing me on Raw Dog real soon. So uh, I'll let you know about that. Uh, all right, here we go. This is from uh, Jesus Bravo Rios. Hey, Paul, big fan, just bought your CD and poster. Here's mine acceptable. I'm a computer engineer student in California, and I have a lot of difficult classes that you have to really pay attention to if you want to pass it. Uh, it's a new semester, and I'm in my last computer science class listening to the lecture. Unbeknownst to me, I hear what I can only describe as an old man who has been smoking for years, hacking to death. I look over, and it's a scrawny white kid. What the fuck? I thought to myself, maybe it was a one-time thing. Wrong. This motherfucker keeps at it and has been going on every time we have class. This is an example of people who have no shame or respect for others trying to concentrate. <laughs> Locked this phlegm hacking animal in a cage inside a hospital because clearly he hasn't gotten the, uh, that checked out. Hope to see you one day. I live near the Bay Area. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you for the uh, submission. Yeah, man, I, I think I'm going to be coming back to uh, San Fran uh, sometime soon, hopefully this year. So so thank you so much. Um, that's fucking annoying. And I have an issue with that, which is really funny that you say that. You could ask my wife. If you asked my wife, like if we were ever on one of those shows, like do you know your partner? And you said, what is the one thing that drives your husband Paul nuts? It's the it's when people continuously cough. Um, I think it's because when I was younger, my brother and sister would do it a lot. I, I was I was older. I'm um, I'm the middle. So my, my older brother's five years older. Then there's me. Then there's my brother who's nine years younger than me. And then my sister who's ten years younger than me. So, um, and when they were kids, they coughed a lot. And it just drove me, it's just weird. It just drove me nuts. So I, I don't even know what the hell I would do. Um, I don't know what I would do. Uh, here we go. This is um, from Sean Ho uh, Holland. And it says, uh, uh, Phil Selmo from... Uh, Pantera Unacceptable. Dear Paul, I don't know if you're familiar with the heavy metal band Pantera or their singer, Phil Anselmo. Uh, Anselmo, yeah. Uh, but I've got an unacceptable uh, for him and the metal community. A couple of weeks ago at the end of the 2016 um, Dime Bash concert, the ex-frontman of Pantera, Phil uh, Anselmo, I hope I'm saying that right, decides 
to do the famous Nazi um, sign. Okay, the like the hail salute uh, and scream white power at the top of his lungs. A fan in the crowd uploaded the video of him doing it, and the singer has since been met with a lot of negative responses, I would imagine, uh, from the metal community. His current band was even kicked off the bill at some Dutch metal festival. My problem is that after the video came out, there are a bunch of assholes defending him and his comments, uh, and his, uh, oh, in the comments section, and approving of this uh, asinine gesture. I myself am a 22-year-old black guy who listens to lots of heavy metal, and I have dealt with my fair share of racist shitheads uh, at shows, but I understand that the racism... Uh, that racism does exist and it's probably weird for people who come uh, from all white communities and never seen black people to suddenly run into a black guy at an event. Even still, it's completely unacceptable to have somebody uh, who is seen as a legend of heavy metal make such a blatantly disrespectful gesture and then blame it on being drunk. I don't care how drunk you are, screaming white power in a public setting is inexcusable and the people who approve of that bullshit uh, in 2016 uh, should, like you say, be put in a cage and thrown away. Um, P.S. I'm a listener after seeing you absolutely tear down the house of uh, Madison Square Garden. I drive an 18-wheeler for a living, and I listen to uh, five or six episodes of TVE and Monday Morning Podcast at a time. It really helps me get through my shitty 14-hour workday. Night at the Stand was excellent, and I hope to catch you uh, there later this month. Thanks for great laughs and stories, Sean P. Well, sh- I... Sean, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough, dude, for, uh, for first of all, your kind words, your support, you listening to my show and all that, man. Uh, if you listen to my show, you know how much that means to me and my fans and all that. That's, uh, that's awesome, and I'd love to have you come out to a show, and if you do come out to a show, please come up to me, and uh, I'd love to, uh, to talk to you. I'm glad you enjoyed um, my set at uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, also, as far as that, um, that's ridiculous, man. That is completely unacceptable. It's 2016, but you know what? It just goes to show where that guy's head's at. It just goes to show that that guy, you know, drops the N word. That guy, you know, means the white power shit he's talking about. He does like saying that stuff, like doing a, like a hail Nazi sign at a fucking, I mean, what are you doing? I don't give a fuck how drunk you are at what point. Like, how drunk... Like, that's just an excuse. You know, being drunk is an excuse. And, uh, yeah, like, that would make me... That would make me, like, not like that... Like, I mean, I'd listen to the music, I guess, if I liked it. But that would make me not want to go see that guy live or just be like, fuck that guy. You know? And especially... You know, somebody like yourself who is an African-American dude who has already who, who deals with that shit. And now you're actually going to a place supporting music uh, that, that, you know, you like and you enjoy being at. And then you have to deal with that shit there. It's fucking inexcusable. So uh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. It is an unacceptable and um, is very unacceptable and ridiculous. So thank you for the submission, man. Um, I do appreciate it. All right, we got a few more here. Um, let's see here. Uh, this one is from. Oh, this is this is just some people saying that they, um, 
Oh, this is for, okay, yeah, here we go. Joshua Scott. Hey, Paul, uh, I have to say I'm on board for extra podcasts by subscription. And for anyone that even thinks about objecting to, to it, think about this. Uh, what is more satisfying in your world, TVE <laughs> or something off the dollar menu? I've never had anything off the dollar menu change my mood for a day for the better. It's a no-brainer. Also, you need to come out to Vegas. There are animals everywhere that need to be called out for this shit. Oh, I know. Vegas is a fucking absolute shit show. Vegas is like New Orleans, except with people who are worse with money. Um... Here we go. Lastly, real quick, unacceptable uh, for the week. Mom tells her preteen daughter to stop being such a twat in line at the movies because the daughter was asking for snacks, which seemed like a perfectly reasonable request when you go to the movies to me. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, that's a fuck. That's a shitty mother. I got to I, I got to And I mean, I'll make this for the record. OK, I, and maybe maybe this is from things that happened to me. When I was little, I did get, I got, I went to the movies a lot. My parents were divorced when I was five and my brother was 10, which I've mentioned on the show before. And one thing we would do in the short time we got to see my dad is go to the movies a lot. And there were times where we would even go to the movies with my mom or other people took us to the movies. I grew up on movies. I think that's why I love movies now. Um, going to the theater, I love to do. Here's my problem. This is what people need to understand. How fucking dare you? Anybody out there take a child to a movie and and not give get them snacks. I don't give a fuck about well, you know, you know, we want to make sure that you know Trevor eats good so they don't really have fruit there. Fuck you, dope. Listen, if you take your child to the movies, he is entitled. It should be a fucking law. It should be a law. I don't care about your stupid fucking little safety, healthy, fuck, fuck that, okay? If you take your child to the movie theater where he's excited or she's excited to see a movie and they walk in there and those little kid eyes are there, they, they lay their little eyes on, on, on candy and it's like the greatest thing ever that their mom and dad are taking them there, you do it every time. If you take them to the movies four times in that fucking week, they get four pieces of candy and four cool drinks at the thing. That's just it. That is an event for them and make them always remember that. Fuck, I cannot stand that. I cannot stand that. And I had incidents where, you know, when I was a kid, well, no, you can't, well, no, no, no candy this time. We're just going to go see the movie. Fuck that. And maybe I'm scarred and nuts for life because of it, but I don't care. I took my kid to see Kung Fu Panda 3 the other day, and the shit I bought them was criminal. And you know what? I don't care. They got two things of candy. They got fucking ice cream. They got drinks. I don't care. That's what you do when you take your kids to the movies. You let them feel what it feels like. All right. This is America for Christ's sake. Okay. Calling your daughter a twat. That is unacceptable. I can't stand that. I can't stand seeing that kids don't get I want to see you, your kids should be on listen unless, unless your kids are fucking you know a diabetic I'm not saying you know what I'm saying I'm saying like if it's if it's okay if the kid's not going to die from it give me a break you cheap fuck and now granted I know it's expensive but you're going to the movies you know that's like going to a baseball game and not getting a hot dog or something to eat you know 
It's like, well, you know, we got to afford the ticket, but I don't know what else we could do. Then you can't afford it. If you can't afford the whole experience, you can't afford it. Fucking cheap. There's Is anything worse? Is anything worse than somebody cheap? I don't think so. It's actually... Cheap is one of my... It, it's, it's so fucking bad to me. Being cheap is just one of the lowest things... Just those penny pinching. And there's a very big difference, by the way, of somebody that's cheap and somebody that watches their money. Okay? Somebody that watches their money can still be very generous and and do it. Somebody that's cheap, you know, taking every little bit of food home from that they don't use at the restaurant, you know? They start throwing ketchup packets in the bag and they take home like three french fries. You know, try to roll up the napkin and put it in. Those people are the fucking lowest. And people that'll drive to the next state to get cheaper candy than at the movie. I mean, listen, I get it though. Some places have candy stands outside that are cheaper. Yeah, of course you're going to do that. That makes sense. But like to just not to not get a kid candy at the movies makes me sick. All right, I'm done. Here we go. This is from somebody's going to go at me here. Okay, let me see. This is from um, Russell Talkdemer. Talkdemir. I'm sorry. Talkdemer. I uh, hope I got that wrong, Russell. Uh, your SoundCloud is my unacceptable. Hey, Paul, I came over to your podcast about six months ago after hearing you on Bill Burr's podcast. But around three or four months ago, I stopped listening to you as I only listen on the phone when I'm tidying up the apartment uh, or going for a cycle. The reason I stopped listening was because I couldn't find you on SoundCloud. The Podbean app, the Podbean app is buggy mess and your website isn't really built for touchscreen phone use. Uh, I know you are on iTunes as well, but I have an Android phone. Okay. After wanting to get back into your stuff yesterday and failing to get Podbean uh, working while trying to show my girlfriend one of your previous clips, I stumbled upon your SoundCloud account and realized the reason I couldn't find your account on SoundCloud is because you made it one bloody word. Uh, to be honest, dude, I don't even know if I I don't even know if I did that. But or anyway, unacceptable. You should be locked in a cage and made to read emails from your listeners without any spacing <laughs> so you can feel the pain that was inflicted on me by Podbean and your website. Needless to say, Podbean was swiftly deleted, and after a brief dance of joy, uh, I've now spent the whole day listening to your podcast on SoundCloud to my delight. Love your stuff. I'll be buying your CD soon and look forward to hearing more from you in the future. I uh, hope you have a great day, and thanks for the last Russell T. Well, thanks, uh, Russell. Yeah, dude, I got to be honest with you. When it comes to that shit, I'm so bad that, like, I don't deal with it. So, um, but I'll look into that, and I'm glad you said that because I'll, I'll talk to somebody from SoundCloud or I'll just, I'll make sure that I'm, I'm able to, to, fix, to fix whatever I can fix. But, I mean, other than just uploading this myself, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And if I do do more podcasts, I am going to get a producer or somebody to just at least consult with and, and talk more about because, um, yeah, I mean, the more, the funny thing is like the more people that know me and the more I grow in the business and everything, the more I'm like, 
fuck, what am I going to do? Like, I, I need somebody. I need, <laughs> I need somebody to help me. So, uh, thank you. Uh, unacceptable. Daniel Naylor sent me, uh, Paul, no words can describe the level of unacceptable in the attached image. What the fuck? Homeless or not, couldn't you at least use the comfort of a nearby bush or a, a bush not f- uh, four feet away? I'm done. I will never respond respectfully to any bum in this city. Uh, and it's a picture of, of, of shit. It looks like somebody shit on a bench. And, uh, yes, and Daniel sent me the picture of somebody shitting on the edge of the bench. Jesus. Um, that was gross. Thank you for, (laughs) thank you for, um, thank you for sharing. Okay, uh, hi, Paul. Uh, Here we go. Oh, okay, this is from, this is from one I don't need to. Okay. This is a, that's a private story, so I don't need to read that. Here we go. A couple more, guys, and um, and we should be done. Uh, Ryan Gennaro, uh, here's my unacceptable. Nice hotels that charge you pl- uh, charge you plenty for a room and will charge you uh, out the ass if you take a candy bar or a mini liquor bottle <laughs> from the room, but charge 35 bucks to have a mini fridge for the night. Uh, I've had leftover sushi when I checked into my room at the Sheraton and was told I'd be charged if I wanted uh, if wa- charged if wanted to be able to keep it from rotting. Okay, so because they're charging you for the for the uh, for the, uh, the the refrigerator. Of course, there was a mini fridge in the room, but it was a tiny one that had only uh, slots to fit beer cans. Uh, liquor bottles they stock so they can um, uh, pillage your wallet if you're dumb enough to take one. The receptionist even told me that if I tried to put anything in the fridge that I'd be charged. They're already making money off of me staying in the room. Why are people so fucking greedy? Um, I, you know, dude, uh, here's what I think here's what those are for. Coming in hammered. That's what those things are for. That is a trap. I'm telling you, those stock little refrigerators with all that shit, that is that is a fucking, you know, that's like a fucking putting a dead rabbit in a fucking bear trap. You're just going for it drunk. That is designed for you to come in to your nice hotel in Chicago or fucking wherever you're at, Los Angeles, New York, Boston, one of these fucking places, wherever you are, Arizona, fucking Vegas, wherever you are, okay, and you go out, you know, what do you think? If you're on Bourbon Street in New Orleans and you're getting hammered, drinking fucking shots on every corner and you're doing this and that and people are throwing beads and getting your face painted and all that and you walk into your hotel room at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning hammered and you have a little refrigerator filled with more beer and little snacks and and anything like that, to let, you could give a fuck if every time you pulled one out of the slot it was 10 bucks. You're not caring. And you wake up the next day to a bill for $336 while you're hung over, it's a double whammy. It sucks. Uh, it's greed, but it's smart. It takes discipline. You got to just be like, nah, that's what you got to do. You got to just not not do it. Uh, here we go. This is from uh, Joe Toner. This is his last one, guys, on this one. Uh, three things. 
Okay, took your challenge, bought your CD. Now you gotta have a talk with your wife. Give up the burger. Uh, give up the the burger sauce recipe. I know I'm not the only one asking. I'll give you an out. If there's any hot or spicy ingredients, I'm out. Got a bit of um, KMS Kelly Myers syndrome. Jesus Kelly, man, people fucking know you from this show. Um. Number two, your CD, you knocked that one out of the park. HGH or no HGH, uh, sorry your numbers are down, but that, that's your fault. You had kids. Well, I appreciate that. Number three, Nick DiPaolo and you need to do a podcast together. That would be entertaining. Did you know that uh, Nick, uh, that Adipta played uh, high school football with Mark Bavaro? Um, hope to catch you in Western Mass someday. Shame on me for not checking your site. I missed you at the... Oh, in Chicopee. Yeah, dude, that was crazy. That was crazy. You know that that room in Chicopee Mass, dude, was like sold out to the... There was literally no standing room, and it was just an amazing night. My bad. Love and TVE. Best to you and yours, Joe. Well, thank you, Joe, so much. I appreciate it. Um... Here's what I'm going to do, because so many people are asking for this recipe. I'm going to talk to my wife, and I'm going to ask her if I could give it to TVE listeners. But I'm going to make you guys a deal right now. If I do that, you cannot give it out. And if you want to give it out, you got to tell the people they got to listen to my fucking show. If you guys are do that, I'll talk to my wife and say, look, I know it's a family recipe. I have so many people asking for it. Okay, let's just get this thing out there. And I can only take you guys on your word. So if I do it and she says it, and she's like, yeah, you could do it. You could just give it out, whatever like that. Um, then you guys have to just not, like you guys, anybody listening to it, obviously make it because I'm saying it on the show. Other than that, you can't just go, you know, tell everybody. Because you can't have everybody, you can't have everybody eating these delicious burgers because then it's not, then it's not special anymore. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't do it. There's certain things people need to figure out for themselves. And a dope-ass fucking hamburger is one of them. That's how I look at it. Um, that is it for those unacceptables. Let me just do a double check. I'll do a double check here. Oh, we still got some Super Bowl to talk about. Um, let's see here. Let's see what we got. What was that movie? Give me all you got. Oh, that was um, that was Heat. Tom Sizemore was in that too. I can't believe I, I, that I'm gonna be in a movie with that guy. That's all right. Let's. See. Where the fuck did this guy? I'm gonna have to look at it and do find it again. Somebody else, somebody else sent me something, and uh, I can't find it. I can't find it. What are you gonna do? I uh, I will find it after, read it on the next one, or when I do find it, message that person, tell them what's going on. And that will be that. Uh, make sure that... Make sure there's nothing on Twitter real quick, and then we will talk about some movies and um, the Super Bowl. Got to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. That was... Uh, that was crazy. I got a good one. I got a good story about that too. 
Uh, let's see. Is there any other unacceptables here? Uh, here we go. All right. This is from uh, Donnicker Phillips. Probably just saw a bird land on the sidewalk, uh, hop up to bird shit, eyeball it, and then peck at it. And I'm eating chicken. <laughs> hashtag animals. Hashtag unacceptable. Uh, that's funny. Oh, I want to thank, by the way, I want to thank um, uh, the people that came out to see me. I recently did a very small room in Queens. There's a tiny room in Queens called the Standing Room. It's like the stands, like sister room. And um, like people came out to see me in this tiny little room. And um, I want to say shout out to, to Dan who uh, not only did he come out to see me, but he brought me a he brought me a Nicaraguan stick, and I did not get a chance to uh, smoke it yet, but don't worry, because I have a humidor, and I will. But thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it, and anybody else that came out um, over there. All right, let's, let's talk uh, about the Super Bowl. So I decided last minute that I was going to have a little something at the Super Bowl. So my good friend Giannis Papas... And his lovely girlfriend, Brittany, came to the house. My buddy Alexis uh, and Dee Guerreros, they're um, friends of mine. Dee actually did the photography on my album. And uh, Alexis is a, a friend and a comic, and we work together sometimes. Good dude. Cuban dude. Hilarious. Uh, and uh, he's a foodie man, too, like another level. Like, he, the my favorite thing about a foodie is... When a foodie or somebody, and foodies are better eaters, like foodies are better eaters than like real fat people. Like fat people, people get, give them like, oh man, yeah, they're fat, they know how to eat. Nah, they're just animals. They just eat like animals. Like they'll fucking eat, you know what I mean? Like they, they'd eat the bumper of a car if it, if, if it could like, if they could digest it. Like they'll, they'll eat, like somebody fat doesn't eat good. A foodie is just that, like we talked about it before, that heavy that heavy, like that, I, if you see somebody heavy, but not fully, this is how you know somebody knows how to eat, they're heavy, not fully fat, fat, and they know how to dress, and they're well-dressed, and they're intelligent, those are the people, you know, if you see some mammoth, just like, oh, give me that, ah, just like fucking eating anything, like they don't even care, there's no thought process, they just, they just gotta like fill a void, Foodies are fucking hilarious. And the reason they are is because when they bite something, they process it. Like my wife's chili is so off the charts. It is off the charts. I mean, Giannis is like Giannis had like five balls and almost got sick. My wife's chili is probably the and I I, I was at this business has let me go to like contests. Like I, 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 for Thrillist magazine, I went to a chili contest in New York City. My wife's chili is the best. My wife's chili is the best ingredients. She could make it temperature. I mean, spicy wise to to however you can handle it. It's insanity, right? So, Alexis comes over and he's been hearing about it, and he just took a bite, and he just started talking. Anytime people start talking about hitting the palate. He's like, yeah, it hits the palate, but then the aftertaste kind of hits the back of the throat with the spice. So it's just like, it just, it's way beyond, it's like, like, it's like, like nerd food shit. Like it, it's like ridiculous, like foodie one-on-one shit that I don't even, you know, I, listen, I'm, 
I'm Mediterranean, dude. I'm Greek and Sicilian. I like, if I like food, I'm like, oh my God, that is fucking delicious. Like, I don't break it down to every little morsel of the, I don't do that. This dude was processing the chili and just like talking about it later and talking about like the things that my wife put in it to like give it this and that. It was really funny to listen to. And Giannis was getting so into what he was saying. He's like, oh my God, he described that shit perfectly. Oh my God, no, no, dude, the way he was right, like when it hit my tongue, it did do that, but then when it went back to my throat, it did do that, like how does he know, like, but he described it perfectly, and I'm just like, listen, dude, this is too much for me, like, I'm I'm either gonna have another bowl in a little bit or not, like, I, I just, well, let's get ready to watch this pregame, so, um, it was really funny, but this dude brought donuts, right? Now, I don't really, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do really well. Uh, I haven't had, you know, much bad stuff. I've been doing really, really good. But people, company come over and, you know, company comes over. They want to, you know, they, they bring something, you know, that's what, that's what you do. You don't go to somebody's house. Like if I was going to, if somebody invited me over, I, you know, you show up with something. The people that show up empty handed either were raised wrong or just, uh, or, or just, it's one of three things. They were raised wrong, um, they have no money, or they're cheap. It's one of the because other than that, it's that's unacceptable. If somebody if somebody tells you to come to the house, you got you got to bring something. You got to bring something. That's it. You bring something. He brings two boxes of donuts and um, this lard prosciutto bread. It's like bread with the lard in it, and it's got prosciutto and provolone stuffed in it. It was it was insane. I swear to God, he brings this box of donuts over from this um, Polish bakery in the city. You know, no, in Jersey. It was a Polish bakery in Jersey, and he brings these donuts over. And one box had the colors like the blue, and, and they had chocolate on top. And then on top of the chocolate was either blue blue sprinkles for the uh, Panthers or, um, you know, orange for the for the Broncos. I didn't give a fuck about the colors or anything like that. Um, I swear to God, although when the blue one fell before the Super Bowl, my wife goes, up. Oh, Panthers are going to lose. I bit this donut, okay? Listen to me, people, and listen to me good. I'm not kidding around, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being, I'm being dead serious. Alexis said that my reaction to the donut is what he lives for. Guys, I bit this fucking donut, Okay? And when I bit it, it took me a second to process what I was biting. It was a delayed reaction because I was in shock. I could not believe what I just bit into. It was like no donut I've ever tasted. It was like none of those big gourmet crazy special donuts that you get at like a fair or like, you know, from like a street truck. It was nothing like Dunkin' Donuts. It was nothing like, you know, Krispy Kreme, even though they're great. This had some kind of special, like old school, but rich, but tasty like you could taste it like when you bit it you were like oh my god with a coffee this would make me seriously get a boner i'd be like that guy in the gym with my chest out and a full on fucking boner just walking around it was insane to the point where they left him here and since i'm trying to eat well i would just walk in the kitchen and i see these boxes of donuts they left and 
I contemplated chewing one and just chewing it as much as I can and then just spitting it outside. <laughs> so I didn't have to swallow it just because I wanted the experience. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm not doing that. I'm biting it like a man. I'm going to swallow it like a man. And now I had like a half-bitten donut because I know nobody else was going to eat them. So I had like half-bitten donuts in this box that I just like was like leaving near the garbage to throw out. But just in case I needed a bite, it was insane. Oh, my God. I'll find out the name of it. Like Judix or something. It's in Bayonne. It's in Bayonne, New Jersey. Holy shit. It was a Polish bakery and he came with these donuts that were crazy. Crazy. Um, so we made the chili. We made the sausage and peppers. We had the boneless chicken, a boneless buffalo chicken tenders from a, from a, a sick place. We had, um, what else did we have? We had uh, all kinds of desserts. What else did we have, though? We had, oh, we had these Italian, like the Italian sausages all cut up, all these cheeses, all this, like all this stuff. There was like, like literally there was six adults and there were pounds and pounds of, of this shit, you would, like, we could have, I'm not even kidding, we could have fed 20 people comfortably, and there were six of us, and, uh, I was up some money from betting on all these games, you know, uh, these, these playoff games, and I said, this is gonna be my last bet, you know, I'm not a sucker, so I'm not gonna bet the NBA and shit, I'm not doing that with all the fouls at the end of the game, but it's all bullshit, I'm not gonna do it, so, with no more NFL, that's it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna chill. And, uh, you know, gun to my head, I would have said Carolina's gonna win. And uh, they asked me at the stand, the the Ron Bennington show from the Sirius Radio said, "You mind doing a soundbite?" And this was right when people knew it was gonna be Carolina and Denver. And I'm telling everything I'm telling you is true. So. You know, this is exactly how it went down. Um, and I said, and I was wrong anyway. This was the first, one of the first years when I had neither team in the Super Bowl uh, when I predicted. I, I said that I thought the Colts and uh, Packers would go. Just completely wrong. So the Bennington show, they saw me do a show. Me and uh, Giannis did a mashup show where two of us go on stage. We had a great time. And the guy said to me, you mind coming outside doing a soundbite for the radio show? And I said, sure, what do you want me to do? He said, we just want you to say your name, who's going to win the Super Bowl, and by how much. And I said, my name is Paul Verzi. Carolina Panthers are going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to win it by 17. That was like the day the, the teams were established. And I start thinking about it. Then I start thinking about it. Then I was talking to my buddy who I plays bets with, and he was he told me a stat. And I'm like, man, number one defense in the league, Denver. Number one defense in the league. Then I found out a stat that the number one defense in the league is 9-2 and two when they play in Super Bowls. I'm like, that's got to mean something. You know, that's got to definitely mean something. And I know it's not huge numbers. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's not going to be that much of a blowout because just because of the spread. One thing I noticed is Vegas was very, when that spread basically stayed, it went to two and a half, but then once it went above three, it stayed in that three 
to five and a half or six. Like it never went more. And that just let me know, you know something, this game's going to be closer. This game's going to be closer. Then I started to see people that I never would have thought would take Denver. And uh, and I remember Chris Berman, you know, I listened to Chris Berman talk about it, and he made some good points. And he said that Denver would win by three. Now I'm thinking, and I'm like, man, this number one defense is getting disrespected this whole week. I said, let me do this. Let me do a tease. For you people that don't know, you can tease the point spread, but you got to do it with two different bets. So what I did was I teased Denver getting uh, 11. I teased Denver to 11, and I teased the under over up, and I took the under. So my bet was Denver getting 11 points and under 49 and a half for the game. That means as long as Denver, Denver can lose by 10, and the game could have 49 points, and I win. And I took that bet, and that's exactly what happened. Last minute, I changed. I took the bet. Um, I got to shout out Bill Burr on this. Bill Burr took fucking Denver straight up. He goes, I don't even care about the point spread. Give me the money line. I'm taking the Broncos. That dude is really good, man. Like, And I'm not just saying that because that's my boy. Like, you know, We argue sports, and we argue this and that. That dude is really good. He uh, he was like, this is not going to be what people think. He was really good. Um, but uh, I have not seen a defensive performance like that. I mean, Vaughn Miller looked like he got like brand new batteries put in his back before that game started. And they just never like that guy looked possessed. I mean, that was a performance for the ages. You know, absolute performance for the ages. And and I got to say something. I think it's really sad that a lot of people were rooting for Cam Newton and the Panthers because of race. I think that's really fucking ridiculous. You know, it's like, yeah, if you know, oh, yeah. And I get it. I get it because the black quarterbacks haven't won and people have talked bad about it. How about Vaughn Miller's performance? How about giving that guy some fucking credit? That was ridiculous. That was amazing, dude. That was one of the best defensive performances you will ever see. I will always remember Super Bowl 50 as seeing Vaughn Miller specifically and the Denver defense be that good. It was incredible to watch. Watching Cam Newton, like, not forget running. Cam Newton looks like, I mean, I thought, hey, Brady's not going to run, but this guy's mobile. This guy could scamper for 30 yards. This guy was getting the shit kicked out of him all game. And then when I saw with his little baby temper tantrum post game with his little hood up looking all upset, I was like, you know, something good. That guy needs to have a little bit of humble fucking pie. You know, I like Cam Newton. I've gotten into arguments with people about Cam Newton. I think he has fun. I don't mind his celebrating. He's done that his whole career. I don't mind it. But this shit he just did like pouting like a little girl. Nobody fucking does that. Grow up, dude. Come on. Sitting there all upset. What, are you going to cry? Grow up, you dope. You know, like, come on, dude. Sitting there like, nobody wants to play with me. (laughs) That's like, he had that look. He had that look on his face like, I don't care. I don't even care if we go out. I just want to be left alone. 
Why? Because you got the shit kicked out of you. They had a better game plan than you. You tip your cap to him and say you're going to be back. I mean, he said that, but then, and then he's like, anybody who's okay with losing, anybody who's a good loser is a loser. It's like, no, that's not true. Derek Jeter is one of the best fucking greatest baseball players to ever fucking live. Okay? He's a five-time champion, you know? What do you think he said? What do you think those guys said when they lost the World Series in 01? And they lost the World Series in, what, did they lose it in 03 too? I think they lost it a couple times. What, or, or whatever it was. When they lost, what do you think they did? They were like, man, it wasn't our night. You know, we've been on the other end of that. Congratulations to those guys. That's what you say. That's what you say. You don't fucking pout like a baby and then all of a sudden people making excuses for him. It was ridiculous. I would have said that shit if any, and you'd say if anybody did it. If anybody did that, you would say that. But unbelievable uh, game performance. I was happy to win money. I was happy to see a performance like that. Um, now, here's a big argument. Now, I've always said, and I'd love for boxing people to weigh in on this, and I'm serious, but don't just do it if you're a fan and you don't know. I mean, I don't mind giving your opinion, but anybody that really knows, just just hear me out or tell me if you saw these documentaries. So, I've always said that, uh, and this this is this is hilarious how serious we got with this. I've always said that, um, and I'm sorry if you're not into sports and you fucking hate the rest of this podcast. I'm sorry. Um, I always said that you know Muhammad Ali is just the best ever, and there's no way like Mike Tyson would ever beat him. I just didn't think that Mike Tyson could ever, I think, you know, I thought that especially after the Evander Holyfield fight, um, and I, I predicted Holyfield being defensive and going to beat him back then, even when I was younger. I was like, I think Holyfield's going to beat him. Um, so obviously if Holyfield can frustrate him and take him past the third, fourth, fifth round and do all that stuff and, you know, get him so frustrated he bites an ear off and does all that shit, what would Muhammad Ali do? But then I was watching something. I was watching, I watched this documentary, Champs, on Netflix, which I would, would recommend to watch. And I started to see stuff. And Mike Tyson was a completely different fighter when, before Customato died, Customato, rest his soul, took him in, turned him into a machine, turned him into the champion. His corner and that guy together had this guy slipping the jab with his head better than anybody ever has, destroying people, really good footwork, never stopped moving, insanely fast, and that was only for a short window before Customato died. I think it was like from like 86 or you know to 88 or whatever it was. And I think in that time, he would knock anybody out, including Ali. And we got so into this. We got so crazy, and like Giannis and I are screaming at the stand. Then the other night, Giannis and I get into it at my house for three hours, and I was like, oh, let's go watch Champs for 20 minutes. We end up watching three full fucking movies. We watched two, we watched Tyson, we watched Chase and Tyson, Champs, and then he put on the Ali doc. Like there was a mil- I mean, it was so silly. We were up till 5.30 in the morning. My wife is like, were you guys screaming at each other? I'm like, ah, it's just a normal sports argument, but... I think that 87-88 Tyson, who was disciplined and moved his head, I don't give a fuck how great anybody was. It was one of the most devastating things. Just please watch it and tell me. The UFC fighter agreed with me and told me that nobody in that little time when he had his original corner customer would ever have beat him ever. 
And and I agree. And then what happened was those people died. There were falling outs. He lost his discipline. He knew he could still knock people out, and that's what he went to do. But I think that if that guy stayed alive, and and I think, or or I shouldn't say stayed alive because I would have he would have been too old. I'm saying if that guy if he would have had that in his like in his prime, I think that that guy could have knocked out anybody. And I still said. Ali would be a better fighter. I still said if they fought 10 times, Ali would probably beat him eight. But Mike Tyson was built like Joe Frazier, except a lot faster and a lot more devastating. And uh, if Joe Frazier could beat him, uh, I think that Tyson could have beat him too. That's all I said. Turned into mayhem. It turned into an absolute scream. It just got nuts. So, um, that's it. That's all. I mean, it was just nuts. So if any of you guys, my argument is Customato doesn't pass away, uh, or no, no, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't, God rest his soul. I'm not saying that the Mike Tyson that fought those few years with Customato in that corner doesn't, will knock anybody out, including Ali, um, you know, uh, catch him once or twice. That that's what I, that's what I think. Somebody else in his corner that he had a fallen out with, I think it was Teddy Atlas, said Tyson would knock down Ali, but Ali would get up and frustrate him. Please tell me your guys' thoughts or what you think. But remember, I'm saying it was just a very short gap of a, a certain Mike Tyson I'm talking about. Uh, movies, guys. i just been watching Docs. I watched a ton of those. Took my kids to see Kung Fu Panda 3. It was all right. But you know a kid's movie's not great when you're like, uh, when's this thing over? Uh, but it wasn't bad, so I shouldn't say that. Um, all right, guys, plugs. Uh, I will be in Miami, Florida at the Comedy Inn in Miami, Florida, February 26th and 27th in a couple of weeks. One show at 9.30 on the 26th and then 8 o'clock and 10.30 on the 27th. Uh, I might be added to the Bill Burr shows on the 28th at uh, the uh, Fox Theater at uh, Foxwoods. So I will let you guys know about that. Uh, that is pretty much it. I will have an updated website with all dates, paulverzi.com. Follow me on Twitter, at paulverzi. You guys are awesome. The show is back. Um, you can pick up my album, pick up posters, whatever you want. I will be sending them out this week. Thank you guys so much. And um, until episode 245, I am out of here.